You know, God wants us to look up, not down. He wants us to look out, not in. He wants us to look ahead, not back. I believe with all of my heart, this is the time to look around and just say, who can I help? Who can I maybe take some food to? Who can I call? Who can I email? Who can I text? Who can I encourage? Who can I pray with? Who can I serve? And how about this? Who can I give to? Who is losing their job because they're a waiter or a waitress and I've got some extra money? Instead of hoarding that money, why don't I just send them a check or just send them some cash? Why can't I help somebody else? Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Of course, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind, except for our younger listeners. They're already bored with this thing. Now public gathering places have been closed, so now what are they supposed to do? It's not just the younger generation, of course, that's filled with questions and anxiety of being confined at home. We're all learning what it means to love one another, to be patient with each other. Today, I've invited Dr. Steve Gaines to join me. Steve, are you tired of those drive-through lines already? Well, I'm not really uh, using any of them very much. Don and I are just trying to do what the President of the United States and others, the CDC, have suggested. We're staying at home. I actually am immunocompromised in the sense that I have a disease called myasthenia gravis. I've had that for 20 years. It's an autoimmune disease, and so I take prednisone, so I'm trying to be cautious. But I'm also just trusting the Lord. I'm preaching. Until this last week, we had not done a service online, but we did one last Sunday night. And we're going to do that at least for the next two Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. We're not going to have services at Bellevue, but we are going to have them online. And people can look at us if they'd like to on BellevueLive.com, 10 o'clock this Sunday morning, uh, and also 6 o'clock this Sunday night, the next two weeks. And we're also doing Facebook, too. So we're, we're, we're trying to be cautious, but uh, our trust is in the Lord. You've got one more outlet you forgot to mention. You can hear... Your service Sunday night at 6 o'clock right here on Bot Radio Network. I apologize, but you're right. (laughs) We use that. You know what? A lot of people listen. You've got a lot of folks who aren't really computer literate, don't have the online streaming and stuff like that, so they can depend on our station. Right. And we're we're so grateful for your ministry and for your radio station. Absolutely. It's It's a real blessing to listen to. Thank you, brother. Well, we've had a long-lasting relationship, Bot Radio Network and Bellevue Baptist Church, and so thankful that we can partner together in the ministry of the gospel. I saw, I don't think I realized this, that you actually were born in Corinth, Mississippi. Do you have memories growing up in Corinth? Not really. We moved there away from there when I was about three or four years old to Dyersburg, Tennessee. That's where I grew up. I went K-12 through at Dyersburg. Okay. Do you know what a slug burger is? A slug burger, yes, I've heard of them. I don't know that I've ever had one, yes. Supposedly, that's famous in Corinth, Mississippi. The railroad lines cross each other. It was a real strategic place back in the Civil War. One of the oldest uh, soda fountains is on the town square in Corinth. You probably maybe have eaten there. But they served this burger called the Slug Burger. I'm sure we did. My daddy actually worked on the railroad, and uh, that's that's what he was doing there in Corinth. He was a track supervisor. Was he really? Yes. You married Miss Donna back in 1980, June 14th. Do you remember that first date with Donna? How hard was it for you to have to work to her to say yes? Well, I tell you, she was the prettiest girl by far on campus. I guess other girls were mad at me now, but uh, uh, she was at the Union, and I had transferred from UT Martin. I'd been playing football at Martin, 
fell in love with the Lord, felt called to preach, came to Union to study in the fall of 77, and we started dating about a year and a half later. The first date was December the 1st, and to show that it was true love, I'm a football player. I, I sat through two basketball games while she was a cheerleader, <laughs> and we, we finally got to go out to eat after two basketball games, the girls and the guys at Union. We went out to eat, went to eat uh, a nice place, and then just went riding around, and then we ended by me uh, playing, serenading her, playing the guitar, and just singing some songs, and then we prayed at the end. And I'm telling you, <laughs> when I held hands with her and prayed with her, I knew she was the one. She was it. First date. <laughs> there was that connection. Well, that is awesome. You know, it's one of the things I kind of miss about you not being here in the studio. When I originally reached out to you and asked you to come on the show today, you texted me back and wanted to remind you of the address and where we were in our building. Kind of surprised because everybody's trying to practice social distancing and would have been nice if you could have brought your guitar with you today. Uh, I've got two guitars and uh, I'm not a great guitar player, but it's one of the most comforting things that I do is just play the guitar and sing. In fact, I thought for a long time, when I was first turned on to the Lord in college, I thought that I would be a singer, uh, but the Lord called me to preach, and it's been a, I've been preaching that for over 40 years. Yeah. That is awesome. Steve, what are some ways that you and Donna are dealing with the routine changes for your family in light of this virus threat? Well, like I said, we're staying in. We're, we're, we really believe that, uh, you know, this thing will come to pass. Uh, I believe that I don't know when. I'm not a prognosticator, as Amos said. I'm not a prophet, nor the son thereof. But we are practicing healthy hygiene. We're washing our hands. We're avoiding big crowds. and We're doing the social distancing thing. But we also we want to be that there's a scripture in First Chronicles 12:32 that talks about the sons of Issachar were men who understood the times. And they had knowledge of what Israel, that is, God's people, should do. And it says that they were chiefs, they were leaders, and that the people were at their command. They followed them. And so I believe we Christians can really set a great example. We need to be like the sons of Issachar and understand what God is doing. Uh, and, you know, this was in a time when David was becoming king. He, Saul had just been killed in battle with his sons. And there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of, you know, uncertainty in the nation. And these men's of, men of Issachar came in, and they were stabilizing factors during the transition when David was becoming king over all of Israel. I think that any time there's a national crisis like this, people are looking for leadership. And I would just encourage God's people to comprehend what God is doing. I don't believe anything that happens without God allowing it. And I can't say that God caused the coronavirus, but I do believe that God allowed it to happen. And I believe that it's very possible, and again, I'm not a prophet nor the son thereof, I do believe that it's possible that God is trying to get our attention. Last week, I preached about the church at Laodicea. And the church at Laodicea was an interesting church in a lot of ways, but they were a very deceived church. One of the things about them was they thought they had everything together, but they really didn't. In fact, God said, you say, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have need of nothing, but you don't know, he's talking to the church of Laodicea, you don't know that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And then he said, I want you to repent. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. He said, I want you to be committed, and I want you to repent. And I believe 
if anything is going on right now, God's people, of all people, ought to be self-examining ourselves. And if we've got any unconfessed sin in our lives, we need to repent. There were times, I mean, how many times do you read in the Bible that God would allow even sicknesses and famine and locusts and everything else to come upon his people in order for them to repent? You know, everybody loves Second Chronicles 7.14. It talks about, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. But the verse right before that, says, if I close the sky so that there's no rain, if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, then he says, if my people who are called by my name. So again, I'm not a prophet. I don't know that God is punishing America, but I do think that America has some very vile sins in America, and we need to repent. We need to repent. I think you're so right, Brother Steve, and especially keeping from having a prideful heart, like you said, that can be so, you know, we got to fear that. We got to stray from that and really be humble before God. I know that you and Donna have 15 grandchildren. It's got to be hard to practice social distancing without all those hugs and kisses. Well, you know, we practice social distancing, but we also practice calling them on the phone and doing FaceTime. (laughs) No, you're still hanging out with them, yeah. What what a great tool that is, you know. And I want to say this to you, too. That is a great thing that you can do to minister to other people. We can be inside, but these phones are wonderful for doing what you and I are doing right now. Exactly. I mean, for for encouraging one another. And I I just want to encourage all of God's people, this is not a time to circle the wagons and try to survive with just you and yours. This is a time to think about other people. You know, God wants us to look up not down. He wants us to look out, not in. He wants us to look ahead, not back. I believe with all of my heart, this is a time to look around and just say, who can I help? Who can I maybe take some food to? Who can I call? Who can I email? Who can I text? Who can I encourage? Who can I pray with? Who can I serve? And how about this? Who can I give to? Who is losing their job because they're a waiter or a waitress, and I've got some extra money, Instead of hoarding that money, why don't I just send them a check or just send them some cash? Why can't I help somebody else? And I think the more you think about the Lord, staying in Scripture and praying and fasting even, I think the more you do that and the more you think about other people, that's how we're going to get through this. I think that's what the men of Issachar were doing. They understood the times in which they lived, and they spent time with the Lord and had confidence in the Lord. And they realize, as Dr. Rogers used to say, there is never an emergency meeting in heaven. God has a plan. God is not panicking. I think that's exactly right. I believe that we're supposed to be people like the sons of this car who understand what's going on. God is in control. And we need, yes, we need to practice proper hygiene and social distancing and all that. But we also need to minister to people in the ways that we can. God has provided means through telephones, through computers, through emails, all those things. It's not a time to binge watch Netflix all day. No, uh, no. And, you know, no. the Great Commission, Steve, is a mandate to make disciples, and most of making disciples happens outside the four walls of our churches. 
So this is a period right now that we shouldn't stop from intentionally looking to disciple people where they are right now, which is at home, and we can use these technologies to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, we are, and I'm not just trying to advertise that, but we're broadcasting our services, but we're also sending out communications on a daily basis. Starting this coming Monday, we're going to be sending out uh, every day at 10 o'clock a little five-minute devotional that I'm going to be doing. We're just trying to think of ways that we've never really thought of before of how to keep people engaged. My wife has a discipleship group yesterday, and they met online. And then last night, my wife teaches high school Sunday school for girls, and she had her whole class. She had like 10 10th grade girls online at the same time, everybody seeing each other on those group meetings, and they were all meeting together online. There's just a lot of ways you can use technology. And even if people don't know how, anybody can pull up Bellevue.org or any your home church. I'm not trying to get you out of your church and come to Bellevue. I'm just saying I think it's a time for us to learn how to do those things and to be more connected. That's a good word. How is Bellevue navigating local ministry like Bellevue Loves Memphis, which is such a great part of your ministry during these concerns surrounding COVID-19? Well, we have shut down our plant in the sense of the church as far as the meetings. The staff is coming in, a lot of them. If they've got small children, we are providing, uh, for instance, if they feel that they need to come in, you know, we are providing free child care for our employees because, you know, a lot of them, you know, these kids are out of school now and they don't know what to do. And so we're providing uh, help with that. But we're trying to work with them as much as we can. If, they, if anything they can do from home, we want them to do that. But we're trying to encourage all of our deacons are calling all of, the, all of our members. Our pastors are calling all of our leaders. I'm calling a lot of our leaders, and we're, we're just trying to keep in touch. That's what we're trying to do. And it's very interesting today. I got a text from J.D. Greer, who's the president of Southern Baptist Convention. I think they're modeling that for all of us. They're, they're calling, and they're speaking to the pastors, and they're trying to encourage everybody. That's what we've got to do. We've got to stay connected. Staying connected is where it's at. I want you to comment, if you would. I saw where Bellevue's Frazier Church ministry was handed over to my good friend, Pastor Ricky Floyd, with the Pursuit of God Church. We have had a ministry in Frazier for years, even before I came here. We have just been trying to find out what's the best way to minister in that area. We had some wonderful ministry there for a long time, but we met Ricky Floyd a few months ago, really a couple of years ago, and started doing some ministry with him, and he's got such a great ministry, especially to the men, but also to the young people, and uh, he's just, just a great guy. We looked at our ministry there. It was doing good, but we thought, you know what, it could do better. We looked at a guy that just had Frazier in his heart. You know, my wife grew up in Frazier, and my aunt lived in Frazier. I, I went to Frazier all the time when I was a kid coming up from Dyersburg. My dad worked for International Harvester Company. Yeah, well, and see, Mr. Dodds, Donna's dad worked out of DuPont, and Mrs. Dodds worked in Humco. So, I mean, they, they were people just rooted in Frazier and all that. We just felt like that the best thing we could do, instead of us just trying to continue what we were doing, it was working, but not as fruitful as we wanted it to be. We just really felt love Lord that God led us to combine that with uh, what Ricky's doing. Now, this whole coronavirus has kind of set everybody back. I mean, he's doing a great job. And they, they had, I think, five or 600 people out there the first Sunday 
before they have, you know, they're shutting down too for a little while as far as doing online stuff. He's just a great guy, and we're grateful to God to be able to be with him. I love Ricky Floyd and Sheila, his wife. They're doing incredible work, and they've been on this program many times and will continue to be in the future. And I love the way that God has transitioned that relationship. You're still connected, very connected, but seeing the need. You know, pastors, too, and and people in ministry. I've been in ministry a long time, served as a missionary overseas, and even see how missionaries can kind of be territorial. You know, this is my ministry. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah that, you know, whenever you do that, God says, I'll show you whose ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It is not yours, Steve. And it's not Bellevue's. It's, it's mine. You know, and that's the way you serve the Lord. You don't do it for your glory or for your church's glory. It's all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Steve, you know, there's these levels of fear and anxiety that are building in people because of this virus threat, fear of the future, stock markets plummeting, not finding toilet paper and other necessities. People in reality are dying around the world caused by the COVID-19. As we spend this last few minutes together, I really want you, if you would, clarify what the gospel is, how what Jesus Christ did on a Roman cross over 2,000 years ago is relevant to all of those who are listening to our conversation right now. Well, never have we needed the gospel more, and never uh, has the gospel been more effective than the day in which we live. And that is not in any way to impugn any other day or any other time, but it is to say that the gospel is relevant. And it speaks at every level to the need of mankind. The Bible says that God loves everybody. He loves everybody. We're all created in his image, but the Bible also says that all of us, to the person, is a sinner. I know that nobody talks about sin anymore, but the Bible does. Jesus did. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. What does that mean? We have broken the laws of God. Just like if a person goes out here and they break the laws of man and they get in trouble with the police or with the government or whatever. If you break the laws of God, you're in trouble with God, and we've all done it. The Bible says we have a sinful nature. We're born with it. It it's, comes with the seed of Adam, and we are born with a, a propensity toward being selfish. And if you don't believe that, you talked about my 15 grandchildren or my four children. I mean, any child has a selfish nature within, that we know that, and you see that with little children. When you get old enough, that becomes something where you willfully sin, and God holds you accountable. And the Bible says the wages of the just penalty of sin is death, spiritual death, which means separation from God. But the good thing about Christianity is God loves us too much to leave us in a state of separation. And the cardinal difference between Christianity and every other religion, you name it, Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, whatever— is that in Christianity, in all the other religions, they're trying to work their way up to God through good works and religion. But in Christianity, God says, you'll never make it. I'm perfect. So I'm coming down to you in the person of my Son, the divine Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is fully God, just as much God as God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that he died on the cross, which is just unbelievable. Jesus, who knew no sin, was born free from a sinful nature because he was born of a virgin, and some he lived a sinless life, but he went to the cross and died, not as a martyr, but he died as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But the beautiful thing is God raised him from the dead. Every other hero of every other holy book is dead. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. But I have good news. 
Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And Jesus says, if you'll repent and receive me by trusting me, if what I did on the cross, what I've done in the resurrection, if you'll repent of your sins and believe in me savingly, I will come into your life and change you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with you. And the way you open that door is simply repenting of your sins, turning. If you've ever seen a U-turn, Byron, you've seen repentance. That's what it is. It's doing an about face, the Lord helping you, saying, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry for my sins. I don't want to live like this. I turn away from sin and myself, and I turn to you. That's repent. If you don't repent, you die and go to hell. That's what Jesus said twice in Luke 13. You have to repent. But you also have to believe that what Jesus did on the cross, you have to appropriate it personally, say that he died for me, he rose the dead for me, and then you have to receive him. As many as receive him, to them he goes, becomes, he, he gives the right to become of God, those who believe in his name. So, yes, we have to repent, we have to believe, and we have to receive. And when we do that, we become a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away, new things come, and God changes our lives. He puts our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. He, in, he fills us with the Holy Spirit of God. Our bodies become the temple of the living God, and we are changed forever. And the Bible says when we live, we'll live for Christ until we die, and then when we die, we'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord forever and ever. And all God's people said amen. Amen. God bless you, Steve, for sharing so clearly what God offers us. And again, it's a, it's a free gift. There's nothing we can do or deserve to earn it. Grace through faith in Christ. Boy, so thankful for that gift. And friend, if you're listening right now and you don't know Jesus in the way that Brother Steve just described, we hope that you will reach out in faith and realize that you can just say a simple prayer. God, save me. I confess I'm a sinner. and Jesus, you are Lord, and I want to offer you my life. It doesn't take much more than that. If it's a sincere heart that's reaching out, he will save you right now. And if you're in that place, I hope you'll do that. You know, Steve, it's sad. I've got a missionary friend in Italy right now. We're hearing tragic reports from that nation, COVID-19 there. Then I read where a porn site was offering their stream free to the people of Italy. It's so sad. The heart is deceitfully wicked, we know. And even in times of despair and death and terror, sometimes the heart can harden itself against God. Absolutely. Pornography is simply published sexual immorality. I had a guy tell me and said, you can't can't even define pornography. I said, I don't have to. It defines itself. The word is a compound Greek word. Pornos means sexual immorality. Grafe means to be published. So it's published sexual immorality, and it is addictive. And to me, it's a demonic stronghold. When you get that stuff in your mind, it starts making you or, or tempting you to do things that you never would have done had you never seen it. And only the Lord can erase that from your mind. So I think it's a horrible thing. But I'll guarantee you, pornography is not what Italy needs. Italy needs Jesus. Yes. America needs Jesus. Steve and Byron need Jesus. Everybody listening needs Jesus. And that's who we need to focus on. He's the only one that can help us with all of this. It's very interesting, and and I don't want to dominate the time much more, but it's very interesting. God has taken away the things that we like to do. He has taken away uh, us being able to go to work, us being able to go out to eat, us being able to... He's taken away our money, uh, finances are going down, all this other stuff. People are losing jobs. With all my heart, I just have to believe God's saying, hey, you want to focus on me now or not? Choose today whom you're going to serve. We were riding high, 
But, man, I'm telling you right now, we're having to look up. And I think that's always a good thing. As we wrap up our show, I know people are looking for good ways to occupy their time being at home so much. We know we need to pray and we need to read our Bibles and need to look after the needs of others, safe ways that we can. But do you have a few books or something you might recommend, maybe a teaching series or a documentary that's encouraged you lately that you might share with our friends? Well, what Don and I are doing is we love to read. My wife and I have been readers for a long time. And, of course, I'm preparing sermons. That's one of the things that I'm doing. But what most people can do out there, go online, get you a good book, and read it. Some of the best things you can do, in my opinion, is to read biographies. I love biographies. And I'm talking about people like Charles Spurgeon. Read some of his uh, biographies. Read the biographies of the great Christians of the past, like John and Charles Wesley and like George Whitfield and other people like that, Jonathan Edwards. People that lived in a time of very difficult days, but they also lived in a time of uh, real spiritual revival. Those guys encouraged me. Also would encourage them even to read from some of our founding fathers. Uh, Even though Jefferson was probably not a Christian, he was a good leader, and you can learn a lot from those guys. Uh, Again, those are going to be more secular guys, especially people like Benjamin Franklin and others like that. But George Washington would be a good person to read about. And even Abraham Lincoln, again, not that committed in the Christian area, but very committed to the country. You'll understand why they were founding fathers. They were great leaders. I would say reading is one of the biggest things you can do. And then also, you know, there's nothing wrong with just sitting around and playing games with each other. You know, know, like you said, we do want to read our Bibles, and I'm reading the Bible probably as much or more than I ever have spent a lot of time in prayer. But I'm also just spending time with Donna and just spending time reading. We don't have kids at home anymore, but my children have a bunch of them, and they're playing with one another. They're spending time with each other, and they're talking more and communicating more. And in that regard, it's a good thing. That is a good thing. Well, the old spiritual says he's got the whole world in his hands. God is in the driver's seat, and he doesn't need any backseat drivers either. So let's humble ourselves and worship him. Let's seek his face together. Amen. Steve Gaines, thank you, my dear brother, for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom in our community. Thanks for joining us and providing these encouraging words today. Thank you, Byron. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for your love for the Lord. And thank you for all that you do to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in Memphis and beyond. Remember, friends, to keep praying, keep reading God's word, and keep listening to Bot Radio. I'm Byron Tyler.